The following is a paid presentation. The views expressed do not necessarily represent those of the staff and management of Shiawassee Radio. This is your cell. This is your bunk. This is The Jail Visit on Shiawassee Radio, live from the Cofield Oil and Propane Studios. Here's attorney Bill Amadeo. I am Bill Amadeo from the Comanus Amadeo and Rabel Associates. You know, a few things came to mind tonight. And I think life is just weird. You ever watched the movie Moneyball? There's this one line, and it kind of hit me hard tonight. And I'll get into this. There's this line in Moneyball, though, that says... We're all told we can't play this game anymore. Some of us are told at 18. Some of us are told at 40. But at some point we're all told, Hey, Amber. And I thought that was really powerful as I looked into doing some content tonight. As some of you may know, my father has recently passed away. And my Uncle Matt has recently passed away. And with these two deaths, it really made you think about a lot of things. Um, I didn't care for my father. I think I was indifferent would be the word. I'm not sure how I felt about my uncle. I do know I paid for my uncle's funeral. I know that I flew my cousin that I've had problems with because it was his son. With my father... I kind of reconnect with my brother and sister, who I didn't know that well. And I think deaths and New Jersey got me thinking a lot about the past. And it's almost 9.30 on Friday night and I'm working. And there's a reason for the work ethic. We'll get into some of that tonight. Because I want to kick it back to my freshman year of college. And the first Christmas break, freshman year of college, and the college transition, and how that transition kind of molded so many things, you know? Self-reflection can be brutal. And as I'm playing with these cases, today was a big day professionally. And you learn in this profession that winning is a weird feeling. Success is a weird feeling. And everything's so goddamn subjective. I think so much of it goes back to Atlantic City for me. And when people that are your blood pass away, whether you love them, didn't like them, whatever, it has an effect on you. And it can be a subconscious effect. I was talking to Joe Abear today. Joe's a friend. And for those of you that question friendship with Joe Abear, you're all entitled to your opinion. But I remember when my car was broke down in Detroit and Joe Abear came out and pumped up my tire. That's a friend. And I'll remain friends with Joe Abear. I think he's a good man. 
I was talking to Charles Noe today, and Charles Noe and I were chit-chatting. Charles says, by my own admission, I'm Jersey trash. Well, let me correct something on that. I never said I was trash. But definitely rough around the edges. And for those of you that don't know, let me be very clear. There has been interest in me running for attorney general with the Republican Party. Don't think I'm interested in that. But I know that the Eli Savitz and the Karen McDonald's may not like that. I don't really consider myself a Republican. But when we're talking about the attorney general position, we're talking about somebody that knows the law. And say what you will about me, but my passion for the law comes a lot from Atlantic City. So let's kick it back to freshman year of college. College was weird. Because my college experience was not normal. I knew I had to get Aunt Mare and Mom out of Ducktown. That was on my shoulders from the youngest of ages and how are you going to do it? Will it be baseball? Will it be your brain? Will it be whatever? And baseball wasn't going to work. And I remember I'm at Atlantic Community College and I'm taking 16 credits and I'm working 40 hours at a bar porter in a casino and I'm playing travel baseball and I got cut from this team. And that was my moment when people were like, you know what, you're not going to make as a baseball player. And many people will tell you they knew that before the age of 18, but to me, baseball was so sacred. It was so critical. And it kind of ended there. And I could have went to other places to play. But work took on such a priority. Because at 18, I became the main breadwinner in the family. That was on me. And it was different. You know, you go to community college and you work full time. It was a different experience than the kids that went off to college without a care in the world. Thank you, Joe. Appreciate that, man. You're a rock star as well, and don't forget that. But you're 18 with no money. And you're working in the casino. And you're taking four classes at Atlantic Community College. And you just lose baseball. And urban blight has taken over Ducktown, to say the least. And here we are. Now, I'm the golden boy of the family. I am the academic, whatever. But I'm also the breadwinner. So my experience started like this. I was going to learn academics. I was still going to learn about the real world. And I will tell you, my time at Tropicana Casino, I learned more about life there than I ever did in a classroom. And one thing you learned was fear. And as I'm going to broach this subject, I don't want to come off like an asshole. But I'm going to say this as clear as I can. 
working in the casino to me was a wall I had to get over. I appreciated the people I worked with. I learned so many things about life. I also learned so many things I didn't need to learn. And it was a motivator. Because I knew what the casino would do would provide money for the family. But I also knew the casino was a trap. Many people ended up working in that casino for life. Because the casinos in Jersey, guys, that is the equivalent of the factories in the Midwest. Make no mistake about it. So, December, freshman year of college, you start seeing things differently. Now, I'd been working in the casino since July. I'd been in school since the end of August. And my life was very different in the fact of we were Atlantic City people which was unusual to be Caucasian Atlantic City. But you knew the Ventnor people, you knew the Margate people, and now you had these casino people you were friends with. And the vibe was really different. Because Christmas break of freshman year of college, things start falling into place a little bit. I think all of our experiences in life build us and every memory we have for better or for worse is inside of us and Christmas break freshman year I looked at it like an opportunity to work more instead of 40 hours of work I worked 60 hours and I read my classes ahead and I had to get certain grades at community college to go to my four-year program they don't know about the dyslexia yet and all that happy horse shit so it was a money grab for me but people start coming back into town and um, you start seeing things unfold the transition from senior year of high school to freshman year of college was this amazing transition for better and for worse and what I'm seeing clearly is life unfolding before my eyes. The Atlantic City kids, most of them, most of them didn't go to college. We were poor. It was a poor environment, and there were some that went, but many ended up becoming police officers, firemen, casino employees, drug dealers, hardened criminals. And Christmas for them was very different. Somebody once told me, and it's a powerful statement, when you're poor, and everyone around you is poor, you don't realize you're poor. Huh. And Atlantic City reminded me of, like, there's this acceptance that's happening. We are who we are. And I was the outlier with that, right? Like, I don't want to be that. The Brigantine kids, many of them, they're kind of 
deemed to be white trash, if you would. They were poorer. Their college experiences were different. Many of them were going to have a career in middle management. They knew it. Many of them decided that college wasn't for them. And I always felt going over that Brigantine Bridge at the time, there was like a sadness right there. It had more hope than Atlantic City, but not anywhere near what a young person should have for hope. But what got me was the Ventnor and Margate kids. Now, I think freshman year of college, things happen, right? People experiment with drugs, alcohol, sex. It's this coming-of-age thing, right? I get it. And the Ventnor and Margate kids, and I don't mean to trash them tonight. I really don't. But generically speaking, they came from money. And when you came from money at that age, and you never had the responsibilities of having to work, you never had the responsibilities of doing anything, and now you're given this ultimate amount of freedom, bad stuff happened. And you saw drug addictions. You saw people that weren't going to make it through college. You saw the wealthy fall on hard times. And with me, I didn't go to many of these parties, and here's why. Fear. And I guess today, and I appreciate Joe Abaris, I'm a rock star attorney, but there is this fear, right? And the fear part of it comes from where you grow up. But I remember that freshman year, I'm a bar porter at Top of the Trap. Top of the Trap was on the 20th floor, Tropicana, high-end bar. And I'm cutting fruit, and I'm getting ice. A bar porter to the bartender is the equivalent of busboy is to a waiter. And I'm working my ass off there. And the Margate kids come in with their fake IDs. And they're chilling out top of the trap with mommy and daddy's credit cards. And here I am, cleaning up mats and getting ice for bartenders. And the laughter the Margate kids had, the Ventnor kids had. You know, and when you see this happening, because now you're in a caste system coming to life. And you start listening to the stories. Always beware of the person who's quiet. Because silence is so powerful. When I get real quiet, I'm trying to learn something. And I know at this point in life, I know that I'm the poor kid. I am the one in community college. I don't work in extra shifts cutting lemons to support Aunt Mary Mom. That's who I am. I'm also this little academic at community college who went there to not take out financial aid. Let me be clear, I could have went to many colleges, but I went local to work full time to support my family. But to a Margate kid that comes for money, they're thinking you can't get into another school. So he is a busboy, basically, and community college student, so they kind of look down upon that. But you listen to their stories and you're studying their eyes. That's where the poker experience comes in. 
Study someone's eyes, man. Eyes are deep. Eyes go into the soul. And you're hearing her stories about their first term of college. And you're realizing the grass is not greener. You can start telling lies, start picking up on tells, start seeing who's getting addictions, who's doing this and who's doing that. And they're mocking you as they're drunk. And you are the nobody. Now at this moment in time, you could do a few things. My uncle or my father would have gotten their face. My uncle Sam, may he rest in peace, would have told me to study. Aunt Mary would have said, pick up extra shifts so we could have more money in the house. And what I started doing, based on Christmas season of freshman year of college, was I started working doubles. And here's why. The shift I would normally work was a decent money shift for an 18-year-old kid, right? But I would pick up overtime whenever it was available, like midnight to 8 in the morning, and here's why. I figured out a way that I could work these extra hours and study simultaneously because not much was going on during those hours. And this was my way to get even with the rich kids that seemingly had the world by the balls. And while they were doing coke and doing this and doing that, I never even smoked weed in my life. I was just studying and working and doing this and doing that. And, you know, you reach this status in life. And here we are. Okay. Google me, whatever. But it is 9.43 at night and I'm working here because it goes back to being that scared 18-year-old kid. I don't want my family to be poor. I don't want that. And when you come from that, you always believe in the back of your mind you'll go back to that. And that's a double-edged sword, right? The most dangerous thing about dealing with somebody that came from nothing is that they came from nothing. But that person that came from nothing, if they're intelligent, they also believe they could go back to nothing. And that makes them work at 2 o'clock in the morning. And as I'm watching these kids who were seemingly happy and ahead of the curve, I knew at that point, I'm going to beat their ass. It'll be fine. This is a marathon, not a race. And as we're talking today, and I'm looking at my life, and I'm looking at their life, you know, it's... Thank you, John Granger. I appreciate the um, Arizona time difference there, bud. It's weird. There's this one song, and I'll post it, and I will remember to post this, by Matchbox 20, from that time period. And it's called Back to Good. And to me, Back to Good was a thesis paper on bartending in the casino at 20 years of age. And I will say those lessons I learned during those term breaks where if I don't take the break I get ahead of the curve and I'm reflective so much on New Jersey right now and I know it's the passing of Bill Amadeo Sr. and Matthew Neary Jr. that have put me in this headspace 
And you know, one of my concerns will always be with my boy Max, my son, who I adore. I don't ever want him to be that asshole at the Margate bar. I don't want that for Maxie. But I don't want him to fear to feel the fear of having to cut those lemons at 4 o'clock in the morning either. And I guess as a parent, we learn as we go. And luckily his mother has a great head on her shoulders, probably a better one than mine. But you reflect, and things you learned at 18 are so different in your 40s. But, um... I think fear is an amazing motivator. Fear is more powerful than revenge. And I'm going to say something to a good friend of mine, I won't mention her name. Don't let assholes get in your head. Because when you let them control the game, they're never going to do the right thing. And sometimes you have to fold a hand. There's a better poker table right around the corner. There's no shame in that. But it is exhausting mentally and physically to let people that are beneath you get into your head. So to my close friend, and you know who you are. The Jail Visit with attorney Bill Amadeo from McManus and Amadeo. Connect with McManus and Amadeo at McManusAmadeo.com or call 800-392-7311. This is The Jail Visit on Shiawassee Radio. Friends are going through a lot of shit right now. Love you guys. And, uh... I, I want to be there. I want to be supportive of my true friends. And I try to be a true friend. You know, in this life, my Uncle Sam always told me, if you got five people that truly care about your well-being, you're a very lucky person. And I always strive to be one of those five people in other people's lives. I really do strive for that. And I will tell you, um, I realize... You know, in a lot of relationships I've had, whatever you want to classify them as, it's really weird to see a give and take thing going on. And I want you guys to know, what really makes a good friend is when you care for somebody and don't expect anything in return. And that's rare. In the same breath, when you never get anything in return, Gotta cut that shit off, guys. And people know who I'm talking about. My inner circle know who I'm talking about right there. And I'm just telling you, good people are hard to find. And even the best of us go through these barriers. Let's focus. Let's get through this shit. Let's be a team. Things are going to be okay across the board. Lately, I've been accused of a lot of things. Thank you, Mike. Back at you. Um, I've been accused of money laundering, drug dealing, having a number of affairs, and driving a prosecutor to a nervous breakdown. I think that's the list for the last couple of days. Okay. Well, um, 
I'm not sure what money laundering is. I know I defended people for it before, but I'm not sure how I would be doing that. As far as drug dealing, I haven't even smoked a joint. Uh, so I think that's bullshit. The affairs, I don't know when I would, I wouldn't want to do it anyway, but it's kind of, um, it's 9.38 at night and I'm working, so I'm not sure who the mistress would be. And driving a prosecutor to a nervous breakdown. Oh, there might be some truth to that one. Anyway, I'm Bill Amadeo from McMaston Amadeo and Grable and Associates. And my hand's killing me, but I'm the Shiawassee 6. I sprained this thing in the bag. It's painful. But um, we're here working. We're in trial prep. And I want to share a story with you today. I'm coming back from Canada with Jewel. And we see the Church of Scientology in Detroit. And I start laughing about a story about a friend of mine that was trying to get rid of a girl that was Christian Science. And Jules said, how did it go? And I said, went really well until he needed medical attention. Wait for that. So it's junior year of high school. It's actually the, between junior and senior year. And in the summers, I just worked a lot work 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 we don't have a car i'm saving for my first car i'm saving for our first house we're still in the ghetto we're in Ducktown. and uh being catholic was a huge thing if you were italian if you were hispanic you were a catholic in south jersey and this was something very big to pride in yeah we're catholics I'm an altar boy, and there was always a group of altar boys that we didn't really like each other, but we associated with each other because we were altar boys for an extended period of time. One of these altar boys, we'll just call him Mark, was the most Catholic of Catholics you ever met. Mark could quote you Bible stuff, and it was, I'll give you a Bible verse, and blah, blah, blah. He wouldn't shut up about it. He'd be flexing his religious intellectual muscles that's something okay tired and he was like you know <laughs> he was thank you chrissy gary um it wasn't a prostitute they think i'm having an affair with other people but not prostitutes but you know i i do appreciate the support there and mark was one of these ones that would always scream at us about going to church all the time like, we'd go to church once a week, and we would serve Mass once a week, but this is the guy that would go to 7 o'clock Mass in the morning. The most religious guy you've ever seen in your life. And he would be real arrogant about it. Oh, did you go to church at 7 a.m.? No. No, no, I didn't. I was tired from work and going to the gym or whatever. He went to church, okay. And, you know, here's my feeling on religion, guys. If it works for you, that's a wonderful thing. Cool. I got nothing against religion. I mean, I was a strong Catholic for years. I think the support of Bobby Reyes displayed my belief in Christianity. I just don't like religion being shoved down my throat. And that comes from being such a strong Catholic. And Mike, you could relate to that. Um, and I was an altar boy till junior year, Mike. I was the last of the Mohegans there from fourth grade to junior year. So, you know, at this time in life, I'm on the mock trial team and it's the summer 
And a couple of the Catholic guys, the poorer ones, called me up to go to batting practice. Let's ride our bikes to Ventnor Heights. Let's get a bunch of baseballs and just hit the hell out of them in practice. And to me at that time, that was a good time. I mean, that'd be like some people going to get a drink bar, you know, get a beer at a bar or something. I'm like, great. Let's go play baseball day and night. That was like my way to release frustration. So we ride our bikes and we're doing our thing. Three of us. Mark's not there. He's probably at church or something. And we're hitting the balls for hours and it's starting to rain. We're just having a good time. You know, I always found peace on the baseball field. In fact, sometimes when trials are heavy for me, or life is just heavy, I will put my earphones on and just go walk on a baseball diamond. And I just kind of feel at home. I feel like me and the diamond are one. Love the baseball diamond. It's always been a sacred area to me. So we're done playing. It's time to go home. And we're going to take the bus home and put our bikes on the bus. We only have X amount of dollars. Really poor back then, right? So we had this idea, if we put our money together and we went to Wawa, we could get two of those big glass Gatorade bottles. And back then in the mid-90s, that's how those bottles were. They were glass. Keep that in mind, because when you drop the glass Gatorade bottle, man, it shatters. Hold that thought. So we're going to get these two bottles. We won't touch the, um, the lips of it. We'll drink it and we'll ride our bikes home. All right. So we're riding our bikes after we get our Gatorade bottles in the rain. And we go from Vetner Heights into Chelsea Heights. Now in Chelsea Heights, there was the Christian Science Reading Room. And this is where people from the Church of Scientology all hung out. I don't know, I'm nothing against them, you know. We're just riding our bike. Now remember this, guys, as we proceed. Mark, the strongest Catholic of Catholics, is somebody you would never expect to see at the Christian Science Reading Room. Now we're exhausted, we're sweaty, we look like crap. We're riding our bikes home in the rain. We're holding our glass bottles of Gatorade, which we are sharing. And we pull up on the Christian Science Reading Room. We've got to make a left there to hit the Albany Avenue Bridge. And out comes Mark at the Christian Science Reading Room. And I'll never forget this as long as I live. He does like this dance and this skip. And he screams, I'm filled with the spirit. And he's all excited. And we're just staring at him, right? What the hell's going on here? The only thing I could equate it to is when Sal saw Vito at the bar in The Sopranos. And if you know The Sopranos, you know what I'm talking about. What the hell is Mark doing coming out of the Christian Science Reading Room? Here's the most Catholic of Catholics. And he sees me. And I'm like, you know, it's like Sasquatch coming out or something. Like, what the hell? And he runs up and he goes, B, what are you doing here? I'm driving my bike home because we're poor with our Gatorades. One of the poor kids dropped his Gator on the ground and made this big sound. And all the Christian science people, the church science, I was like, <gasps> and you know, 
You can't get a doctor if you're one of them. So hold that thought. And Mark has explained you can't tell anybody about this. Now, we're 16 years old, right? You're dancing in the Christian Science Reading Room. And this is a big secret. I mean, I don't tell shit about anyone. Like, you tell me something's in the vault. But here's Mark. And my two friends, who are horrified, what were you doing? This is not a Catholic church. And I see this blonde, right? And this blonde, by 16-year-old standards, was a vision of beauty. And I got it. He was trying to get with her. And to do so, he fined being a member of the Church of Scientology. George Costanza would be proud of this. And um, he says, B, don't tell Father Sullivan. I'm like, dude, I don't even know what the hell's going on. But I'm not going to tell Sully that you're hanging out with the blonde at the Church of Scientology. I just want to make it home alive, you know? I, the guy dropped his Gatorade, riding our bikes home in the rain. And he's, like, sweating profusely. And he's like, her cousin really likes you. I'm like, what? My girlfriend's cousin has a huge crush on you. So he, the girlfriend's cousin walks out of the church. And the only thing I can say about this girl, she had her arms folded like this, right? And she keeps walking real slow. And she's walking towards me. She's got glasses on, so I'm kind of hooked, right? Because, you know, glasses have cost me more money than you could imagine throughout my life. Before Jewel, if the girl had glasses, oh, let me buy you a house. Anyway. So, Christian Science cousin comes up to me, and I'm looking like crap. I smell. I just came from the baseball field. I'm on my bike. I clearly have no money as I'm trying to share a glass bottle of Gatorade with two guys. She starts saying things to me. I saw you at mock trial. You were excellent. Like, how'd you see me at mock trial? She went to a school that participated in mock trial. They didn't make it as far as Lexley High did, so she saw me there. Then she told me she was a really good baseball player. Then she read articles I wrote in the Viking newspaper. Like, holy shit! I mean, with my luck at 16, here's what's going to happen. This girl's going to be into me. She's going to be down. But she's going to want me to come to the Christian Science Church. My aunt's going to kill me for that. And I got to go tell my aunt because my two friends are going to say, Oh, Billy was talking to the Christian Science girl. Hmm. I'll tell you something, guys. And I tell this to my clients all the time. Telling the truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth, is not always the best option. Lying your way out of stuff can be problematic. But silence is golden. So we're riding home, and I'm telling my friends, hey, guys, can you just shut up about this? We get up to Willow Avenue, and um, one of the idiots says, oh, hey, Aunt Mayor, Billy was told to the Christian Science Girl. Have a good night. Now, you understand my aunt. <laughs> my aunt is an old-school, little, badass Italian Catholic woman, and um, she wanted her Billy with a Catholic pretty girl. She did like the pretty Jew I ended up marrying, but with that being said, back then, it's about keeping it with the faith. So she goes, who's this Christian science girl? I'm like, oh, I, you know, it, 
Now, I don't want to blow Mark's cover. And I kind of like the Christian science girl. So I'm trying to protect Mark. Without trying to lie to my aunt. And I decided, well, I'll tell my aunt Mary the truth. So, well, there's... We're riding home, and this girl walks out of the Church of Scientology, and she knew a little about me, and I'm kind of flattered, and she lives out of the area, but she's here for the summer, and, you know. She's like, well, you can date her, but you can never go to church with her. Uh, okay. Sounds good to me. I don't want to go to church with her anyway, Aunt Mare. Girl calls me up. She was very aggressive. She was making the first move. B. I think for our first date, we should go to church together first. <laughs> of course you do. I mean, God forbid we go to a movie. Let's go hear about the Church of Scientology. I'm like, oh, hey, listen, I don't know if I could do that. My parents will pick us up. They'll come get you, and we'll go to church. Then they'll drop us while we go to the mall. To quote Bobby Hill, I'm going to tell you what I like and don't like about that scenario. <laughs> The rides in the mall sounded great for a poor kid with no car. I don't want to go to Church of Scientology. And I knew I had to answer to Mary Lee Neary. Meanwhile, I'm keeping Mark's secret on the down low. Chris Fodder Sullivan, the crew, can't find out that Mark is infiltrating the Church of Scientology. So I make a pitch to my aunt. This was a mistake. I decide I'm going to tell my aunt the whole truth. Aunt Mare, I need to talk to you. Listen. And when I say listen, something important's about to happen, or at least I think something important's about to happen. And Aunt Mare, this little woman, she gets like this look on her face, like, go ahead. What are you going to tell me? Now I gotta tell you something. I grew up with gangbangers. I've been threatened by people in prison. I've been shot at. I've been stabbed. Nothing really scares me. But Mary Lanieri scared the shit out of me. Okay? <laughs> May she rest in peace. That woman was a badass. And she used to say, if you become president, I will stand on a ladder and beat your ass if you deserve it. Okay. Won't do about CPS. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, I got to pitch my aunt now. I want to go out with this girl who's a member of the Church of Scientology. My aunt won't have it. She, I could date her, but I can't go to the Church of Scientology. Well, this girl wants to go to church. And I'm thinking, well, if I go to church, I get her to the mall, we'll be good. How can I convince my aunt that I'm just going to go to the church and then go to the mall, and it's just a means to an end? So I come over the top. Okay, listen. This girl wants me to go to church with her. And I have no interest in going to that church. However, I have an interest in her. So I'm going to pretend that I'm interested in going to church. I'll get her to the mall. This was a mistake. This, as my friend Joanna Raggio always said to me, the number one rule is know your audience. It was not a good idea to tell Mary Lee Neary that you were going to pretend to go to a church you didn't want to go to that was not a Catholic faith to swoon a woman. Was that gonna work? So, um, after she screamed at me and threw baseball cards across the room and was concerned for my soul, uh, I was told I couldn't go on the date. So now, 
in my mind, I'm thinking, all right, so I don't want to be homeless. And these baseball cards are trying to help us buy the Native Avery. The Van keeps wrecking the baseball cards and screaming at me. That's going to be a problem. And I got this great emotional currency because I did really good at mock trial to make her happy. And I'm bringing money into the house. So I got to just, you know, I got to crawl my way back from this uh, Christian science mishap. But I still want to go to the mall. So... I think to myself, maybe this girl is like a bad girl, you know, I'll, I'll tell her, I'll, I'll tell her the truth, you know, and I gotta tell you, telling the truth across the board with these one was not the right idea. It was not smart to tell Aunt Mayor, I'm going to lie to go to that church to get to the mall, but I didn't learn from that. So now I tell the group, I'm on the phone to Christian Science School, hey, listen, my aunt does not want me going to that church. We're strong Catholics. So why don't we do this? Why don't you lie to your parents and tell them we went to church? Let's just go meet them all. Tell them you don't need a ride. You want me to lie about my religion? No, 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 not lie about your religion. Just tell your parents we went to church. You want a different time. So now I'm trying to convince maybe the most Christian person I know to lie about their faith. So we get to stay at the mall. And I told Aunt Mary I was going to lie to go to the church to get to the mall. The other day I was going to go to the mall. That's what I want to do, right? I go over well with this girl. So she tells Mark, how could I be such a horrible person? And Mark, who I'm protecting, throws my ass under the bus. Well, you know how those Catholics are. Are you kidding me, dude? Okay. So... I don't get the Christian science girl. Aunt Mare's pissed off. I was even going to go to Church of Scientology to try to feign themselves. Christian science girl is hurt that I would want her to lie to her parents. I don't have a car anyway. I was going to take the bus. And I don't know the hell knows. But I, I, look. Things were not going in the right direction. But Mark is in my face. And even though I'm protecting Mark, and I hate this about life. I get this so much. I will protect your secret. But God forbid it would ever go the other way around, right? But I want to protect Mark's secret. He's got to tell his family he's the good Catholic. And the blonde, he's the good member of the Church of Scientology. But at some point, I told him this shit's going to come to a head. And he's laughing. You should have just stood up to your aunt. Oh, yeah! Okay, buddy. You didn't say sit up to a gangbanger. I'm not going to sit up to Mary Lee Neary on anything. You're seven foot five. Juiced up. I'll fight you. You're Mary Lee Neary. I'm sorry, Aunt Mare. Let's just be real. And Mike, crazy little Italian woman. Uh-uh. She already threw my baseball cards across the room. I don't know what's going to happen next. My luck, I'd walk in with like a pamphlet for the Church of Scientology. Oh, it was just a joke, Aunt Mary. Uh, be bad. So, we're playing travel baseball. Mark is playing third base. And Scientology girl is at the game, dressed to the nines, and her cousin's there. Because her cousin's kind of into me, but she's pissed off I won't. And I, I'm not smart to pick up on anything. I, I don't know. I'm just... Uh, you, you said about the whole thing with the 
church history also. I'm assuming I'm out of the game. I don't even realize that, you know, I'm a kid. I don't know what the hell's going on. But Mark stabbed at the game, too. There's a line drive to third base where Mark is playing. And Mark had glasses, which were much thicker than mine. He didn't get his glove up in time, and the ball smashes the glass that cuts his eye. And he's bleeding out. And his father yells, Oh my God, is there a doctor in the house? And his girlfriend screams, No! No! He can't have a doctor! <laughs> and I'm on one knee on the ground with my friend. I say, like, bro, you need a doctor. I don't know what you're going to tell Christian Science, girl, but you need a goddamn doctor right now. So he went to the hospital, got stitched up, and Christian Science girl was pissed off saying, this is my fault. Like, no, it wasn't my fault. There were two things to blame here. One, the hitter from Ocean City smoked the line drive. And two, you can blame him for not getting his glove up in time. And three, you can blame him for wearing glasses on the field. But you can't blame him for going to the doctor. And, um, today, they are not together. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. So when we're driving from Canada to Detroit, and Jewel is, we're driving, and Jewel's in the car, and I said, out oh, of Church of Scientology, ha, 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 I start laughing. <laughs> She's like, thank you, Aaron. It wasn't bad, right? And I'm like, oh, I got a, I know, I knew a guy that pretended to be a member of the Christian Science Faith, the Church of Scientology, to get this girl. And Kara goes, that's really extreme. How'd it go for him? It went really well, though. He needed medical attention. <laughs> anyway, all right, been here all day. Hand is killing me. I'm done. Have a good night, guys. And I don't know what you want to take from this story. <laughs> Sometimes baseball and the Church of Scientology just don't go hand in hand. The proceeding was a paid presentation by McManus and Amadeo PLLC. Listeners of this program should contact their attorney to obtain advice with respect to any particular legal matter. No listener should act or refrain from acting on the basis of information within this program without first seeking legal advice from counsel in the relevant jurisdiction. Only your individual attorney can provide assurances that the information and your interpretation of it is applicable or appropriate to your particular situation. Listening to this program using any associated website or related links or resources does not create an attorney-client relationship between the listener and host, contributors, or contributing law firms. All liability with respect to actions taken or not taken based on the contents of this program are hereby expressly disclaimed. You and your loved ones deserve a criminal defense firm that believes that your life and freedom are worth fighting for. Matt McManus, Bill Amadeo, and the McManus and Amadeo team of attorneys, investigators, and case managers will take the lead with a vast knowledge and legal experience across the state of Michigan to get the best possible result for you. Learn more at McManusAmadeo.com. Schedule a free consultation 24-7 by calling 800-392-7311.